I'm Andrea, one of the hosts of the Voice of San Diego podcast. Every week, I get together with the other editors at Voice and explain the news that matters in San Diego. Elections, politics, law enforcement, big investigations, and some fun stuff. The great palm tree debate, ranked choice voting, bike lane mania. It's great journalism and a lot of fun. Every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, that's Voice of San Diego. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 18 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. And sometimes we drink coffee. I'm drinking one right now, actually. Thanks for coming back to listen to this show. I'm really looking forward to sharing my conversation with Jen Byard with you. Jen founded Communal Coffee and is the owner of the growing communal hospitality empire. The newest communal space on offer is in Oceanside, California, not far from my home, in what has become a coffee destination due to the proliferation of coffee shops and roasters all within walking distance of each other, including North County Roasters, Seaborn, Banana Dang, and even two of this show's industry partners, Camp Coffee Company and the soon-to-be-open Ignite Coffee Company. The city of Oceanside has even created a coffee trail map, which I'll share and link to on RoastWestCoast.com. While you're listening today, be sure to follow this show at Roast West Coast and at Communal Coffee on Instagram. And go to communalcoffee.com to see menus, retail, and visuals. They're all pretty cool looking, and the design is fantastic. You can find those links in the show notes or subscribe to this show's newsletter on roastwestcoast.com, which is also where you can be sure that this show will drop first every week. Today's episode is coming to you from the road. I'm recording in my hometown of Wausau, Wisconsin this week. Shout out to the local coffee shops I've already stopped at, The Ugly Mug and Tuckney Coffee Company. Thanks for the great service this week and a holy balls to Mayor Rosenberg. It was great running into you at the cafe and I really appreciate what you've done for my hometown. By now, you should have a full cup of coffee or perhaps a dirty chai latte. Industry partner Steady State Roasting makes an incredible chai. But whatever it is you're drinking, blow the steam off the top, take a sip, and let the flavors explode in your mouth. Swallow, and then feel the relaxation course through you. What a moment. Thanks for being here. It's time for this Roast West Coast interview with the owner, founder, entrepreneur behind Communal, Jen Byard. Thanks for inviting me. This is so fun, actually. I haven't um, done a coffee anything for a while. Now that we're kind of in these other areas, I feel like sometimes coffee gets the backside. So this is pretty exciting. So thank oh, you. Oh Well, I'm glad. Um, I actually uh, remember sitting at your shop on Florida Street. I was living over on like right on, right on Florida Street. I was living on Florida Street. Yeah. Uh, right around the corner there. And when that first opened and Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting there and feeling like this feels different than the other <laughs> coffee shops I've been to. Uh, so I was excited. And then I recently went to your newest location up in Oceanside. And I thought, why haven't I reached out to Communal yet? You know, I've done five oh, seasons of this show. Thank you. I, that's And that one was such a fun one to build based on all the things I've learned over these last six years, you know. 
So oh, sure. Not that it's my favorite. Don't tell anyone that. But <laughs> it is actually like, you know, as you grow and build, it's like, oh, this, this one actually is a product of all my uh, successes and mistakes. So <laughs> right. You have a, a foundation of knowledge to work with. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. Before we get too far, I should say uh, welcome to the show, uh, Roast West Coast Coffee <laughs> Podcast. And if you wouldn't mind, just let everyone know uh, who you are and what your company is and kind of what you consider your job title to be. Yeah. So my name is Jen Byard and I own Communal, previously Communal Coffee, but now we've dropped the coffee because it's, you know, definitely more of a marketplace concept at this time with a, a good, you know, a strong coffee program. Uh, yeah, I'm the founder and still the sole owner. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. We've just opened our third one in Oceanside and I'm learning a lot. So, Well, your first one, uh, we should say, is kind of right on the edge of North Park and Hillcrest in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And where's the second one? Uh, so our second one is a vintage trailer in South Park. So it's a vintage trailer with a really nice outdoor lot where people can sit. And then it has a retail concept store next to it, attached to it, that has some indoor seating as well. So a little different than the first one, but definitely fits the vibe of South Park, which is where I live. It's very neighborhood oriented. And I'm, I'm going to get to all of that communal stuff, but I want to kind of ask you a little bit about your background first. You weren't yeah. necessarily in coffee before opening a coffee shop is my understanding. Right. <laughs> I'm odd. <laughs> where did you come from? What was your path to getting to a point where you thought I'm going to open a coffee shop? Well, I was born and raised in the Seattle area. So definitely, you know, coffee was in my blood. I remember kind of first getting into coffee. Like I was a senior in high school, going to Starbucks, became a iced hazelnut latte addict in 1989. Um, and I feel like that was like my first like real introduction to something that wasn't like, you know, I was raised on a farm. So whatever we were drinking on the farm, Folgers or whatever. So yeah, I always give props to Starbucks because they they were obviously the foundation of what we're all doing in coffee, which is great. Yeah, but I feel like I learned a lot uh, in the 90s in Seattle. There was all these like pop-up little coffee carts in front of basically every corner and building, and my mom had one of those. So even though I was like a punk kid and didn't want to work for her, I, I watched her like grow this little coffee cart in front of this downtown Seattle building. And got excited about coffee at that point, but never really worked in coffee until I opened this business. So I am an odd person to be in it, but some of my desires for the business were, you know, kind of beyond coffee also. Coffee was just a really great vehicle for us to produce the spaces that we made. It's really interesting that you had a, maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but in, someone to inspire you or someone to follow whose path you could follow in, in being an entrepreneur. I always mm -hmm. find it's interesting to know uh, what uh, entrepreneurs' parents did. My parents were entrepreneurs as well. <laughs> yeah. And I tried to escape that world for a long time and yeah. realized that, you know, there's just no way around it. Um, yeah. what, what what careers were, what did you jump into then before getting into communal? Yeah, I, I ran a nonprofit for 15 years. To be honest, that was like my first like real career. But it wasn't just, I wasn't just running it. I kind of opened some new, you know, departments basically in that nonprofit. So there was a huge entrepreneurial side. And that's also kind of where I feel like I learned like hospitality, uh, motivating people, leadership skills and those things like those parts. But I didn't really like learn in that phase, like running a business and what that looked like. So that was all, you know, later in life. But that nonprofit for 15 years 
I feel like was where I really got gained a desire for hospitality, making people feel welcome, creating spaces that, you know, made people feel good. And that's was one of my main motivations for opening communal as well. Have, have, having people come into a space and feeling uh, welcome, but also just inspired, you know, like to create and do their own thing. That's one of the main reasons as well. Sure. Was there a tipping point where you decided uh, that you wanted to go off and create your own thing? You weren't just going to be representing someone else's thing or a nonprofit? Nonprofit work can be addicting, but also yeah. a little thankless sometimes. And yeah. it's a lot of work. So what was that uh, motivator? You know, I feel like um, some of the things in that nonprofit, though, too, for me, because I was a like a national director, I learned how to create stories that inspired people because I was like a fundraiser as well and all those things. But then moving forward, um, I have three sons, teenagers now, but at the time they were all little. I have a son with Down syndrome, so he had needed a little extra, you know, attention. And so I just felt like at that point in my life, I needed to do something where my time was a little bit more my own. Uh, so I, you know, hashtag this, you know, decided to become a stay at home mom, but I have hard, hardcore ADHD and all the things like most entrepreneurs. And um, so, yeah, so I was able to like be home when my kids were home, but then I was also just inspired and excited about other things. So I created three small businesses kind of in the art and design world in the next five years, from like 2010 to 15, and kind of figured out what I liked about small business and what I didn't like. And yeah, I, I think those all those things all helped me learn and grow because uh, I have a biology degree, like a zero business background, but figured out kind of like how to run a small business and then take it to the next level with communal. And the reasons for opening communal were were different. You know, I really wanted to create a space where people felt inspired and welcome. But also I felt like it needed to be also a space where um, I wasn't the only person that had to be there in order for it to be successful. So creating a space where I could be an employer and have the space be running and functioning without me there, because I do have a lot of outside, you know, commitments as well. So that was part of the inspiration. Well, when you decided uh, to go into that space, uh, Communal opened as Coffee and Flowers, and you had this big sign out front <laughs> during the building process, Coffee and Flowers, and it just wasn't something that I had seen before. I wasn't into coffee at the time. I just liked going to coffee shops. Yeah. Um, what what brought those two things together? Why was the flowers the other half of that that yeah. concept? And I will say for anyone who is listening, you should go on Instagram and look at um, the communal Instagrams because the design throughout is impeccable. Mm. You know, that was actually totally like a blessing and a curse, right? It was an accident because that first shop, like I had zero dollars. So I was like painting the building myself and like going through the city process, like learning all these business lessons, right? And so at one point we were just waiting on the city and I was like, oh, we might as well just like paint the mural while we're waiting. And little did I know that once we painted that mural, it created like this buzz in the neighborhood. So that was a very accidental smart move, basically. <laughs> but the blessing and the curse was no one even knew our name was communal for like the first four years. So, yeah, I learned some branding lessons, but I'm definitely not sorry. But that concept came out of, you know, uh, one of my businesses before communal was called Makers Arcade. And uh, so I worked with local makers and we had these big fairs, uh, you know, biannually. It was really fun. I have a very strong uh, desire for collaboration with local vendors, people that make their own things, small business. 
And it kind of stemmed out of that when I, I was looking at a space to create kind of like a co-working space where makers could come and create their goods. But it also had a coffee shop and a retail shop. It was a space before what, the space we ended up in on Texas. And and in the end, when I like really looked at it, the two things to me that seemed the most unique and the most like a strong partnership was the coffee piece, something that was very quality and craft coffee, as well as something beautiful like flowers. So that's that's kind of how that came about. It was like the third space we looked at, but I'm really happy that it came about, you know, being attached to a nursery and just on that corner, it just, you know, we had kind of the three things we needed to be successful, you know, drive-by traffic, neighborhood buy-in, and then also just destination traffic from being online and being something that was kind of um, interesting and unique in the neighborhood. So, Well, and that location wasn't necessarily in the heart of things at the time. It's become a destination, but I think at the time it was kind of out of the way. It was the place you drove past to get to where you were going, uh, unless you lived there and there was nothing. You were always leaving to go to Hillcrest or North Park. Uh, So you filled a a need in that little corner of the world. And you have a kind of, I believe, a longstanding partnership with Sight Glass Coffee up in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Why decide on them as your coffee provider since you're not you're not roasting your own coffees? Right. What makes them fit with what you guys do? I mean, you know, in the beginning, because I was from Seattle and I love Portland, I spent a lot of time up there in that beginning phase of looking for coffee. And I swear I had the biggest gut ache. I tasted every espresso, you know, in the whole Northwest. Um, And I really just in the end, after looking through everything in Seattle and Portland and San Francisco felt like both their flavor profile, but also just their customer service, I just felt the most connected to them. And honestly, their wholesale manager at the time just really pursued us and really tried to help us open. I knew nothing like bar layout, all that stuff. You know, I was, I'm very overly confident and I just was like, we can figure this out. And he's like, you can, but this looks dumb. Like, let me help this fix this for you. And so he just gave a lot. And um, then over the years too, I, like I said, I feel very committed to, even like in our retail sections, I, we predominantly buy from small businesses. I felt very committed to their story and what they produced and their direct trade model and all of that. And I still, I feel like they still really um, are our best partner. You know, we have very close relationship with them. Uh, I love everyone in the company from the owners to our wholesale directors to, to everyone. They come down and train and they're always just have such a good attitude about our partnership and are always just willing to go above and beyond for us. And so, and I love that fact that we've had them since day one too. And we're one of their main uh, vendors down here in San Diego. So it's also a unique thing to get down here. They're in LA now, so that's a little different, but nothing else really in San Diego. I have lived in uh, Southern California for just under 10 years. And mm-hmm. uh, part of that time in LA and most of it here. And I still think of LA as its own island. Right. What happens in LA is its own thing. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I feel that way, but I just do. I didn't ask you this earlier and I meant to, but you mentioned that you dropped coffee from the communal coffee name, but what is, where did the communal part of it come from? I mean, I, I think it is some pretty self-explanatory uh, yeah. reasons, but it, you know, was there anything else to that? And, and how does it kind of represent what you've continued to do as the company's expanded? Yeah. You know, I mean, the word communal obviously means that it's something that is shared by a community. 
And for me, you know, even what you said earlier about going into a space that wasn't popular yet, that is kind of my vibe. I really want to go into places where we're going to help improve and, you know, give to a community. And for communal too, each space, like I'm not interested in being a franchise, you know, been approached obviously by franchises and I'm not interested in that. I want each space to feel and uh, represent the community that's in. So for example, North Park, our flagship, you know, when I built that, I obviously have my own design aesthetic and vibe, but I wanted it to feel like North Park. And then in South Park, I feel like the trailer is like such a good fit for South Park and the vibe there because it's such a neighborhood shop. And then Oceanside, you know, I spent, I'm not from Oceanside, so I spent time up there beforehand, really understanding the community, get going to businesses, feeling like that, what that would feel like. And that shop does feel different than North Park and South Park. So even though I think branding experts and all those folks are like, you know, you need to just create spaces that look all the same. I'm just not about that. And so it's exciting to me to like take this concept and create, you know, spaces for people in the communities that they're in that represent them and their, how they feel. And even the products are slightly different and the offerings are different. And, you know, my next concept is maybe going to be a little different, but same, same vibe, you know, same, same neighborhood vibe. So creating spaces for people where they live. Well, I would say that it's a success then in that when I walked into the Oceanside communal, it it was different, but I knew that I was in a communal as well. There is some, <laughs> there, there are design aesthetics that kind of go through yeah. uh, the brand. Was that something that you had experienced in, I mean, I remember Makers Arcade, um, but for you, how did you attack the design of this, uh, this company and, and how has it changed over time? Mm-hmm. And I would go to that to that next step of Oceanside, your your most recent location is a has been growing like crazy and has been ex- mm-hmm. bringing in all kinds of new companies and businesses, but it's still a very local community. For sure. How did you address that with the, with this shop in particular and and moving forward? Yeah. You know, for me to be honest, like when you open something and it's popular, you do get approached by a lot of people to build the next thing. And for me, because my my model isn't like growth for the sake of growth, to be honest, I am picky about who I choose to partner with. And so part of Oceanside, honestly, was just waiting for the right partners to do that with. And so the developer that I did that with and I have the same mindset. And then that was our first collaborative project where there's other businesses in the complex that I knew would be partnering with. So really thinking through who those businesses were and how we fit together. And some of those businesses are local Oceanside businesses. So when we met with owners, it was like they could help us that weren't from the neighborhood really understand what the neighborhood was looking for. And I I love that space. We have this giant common space in the back. Everyone calls it communal. And I'm like, I want to charge them for it. But they, (laughs) it's like this beautiful space that we all host events in together. And it's very collaborative, which is, what I'm about. Sometimes that's messy and a lot of people don't want to get into those type of situations because it's messy. But to me, like as we grow, we've only been there seven months and just the things we've already been able to produce for the neighborhood and the community there, you know, is amazing. And um, that space also has a, I created an event space as a separate space attached to the cafe because my heart still really is in being able to create events and spaces and offer that space to neighborhood community, you know, organizations and things. Um, So that's kind of like the next, I think, phase of communal is being able to really partner with the community with events as well. 
Very cool. Yeah, I didn't actually know that Backspace existed until I had already finished my coffee and was just kind of wandering around. You're like, what? And I'm like, I wonder what this this uh, aisle leads out to. And I mm -hmm. just was kind of blown away by Very it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine the South Park location, the the which sounds to would be mostly outdoors, was probably yeah. a great advantage during COVID. But how have you navigated the last two years? I mean, as a as a founder and an owner, you're not just coming up with the logistics. You have all these people who are depending on you. How how did you handle that? Yep. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like all business owners during that time, we all just adapted as things went. But again, with the entrepreneurial mind that I have, I feel like I'm always kind of up for a challenge. And while I definitely had to like adjust my expectations for my business during that time, I feel like I just was able to like, time and time again, um, see what my staff were like both willing and able to do during that time, who wanted to stay in the mix, who wanted to, you know, not be around and all those things during that time. And, and yeah, we all adjusted our platform a million times that got a little old. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. <laughs> it's like, how many things can you honestly offer to go at some point you're, you're tapped out, but I'm thankful. I feel like, you know, I made some personal adjustments during that time. I, hired a life coach to really help me think through my mindset on life and business during that time. Like definitely like took control of my own, you know, personal things and mental health and all that. Um, and making sure that I was paying attention to that so that I could handle all these things because, you know, at this point we're, you know, we're over 60 employees and that I, to be honest, before we started, I never really thought about what it would mean to be an employer. And that's been one of the most, uh, surprisingly wonderful things about being a business owner and ch and challenging at the same time. And so, you know, going through two years where people had very differing um, opinions, both it, with your staff and with your the communities that you're in, North Park and South Park is very different than Oceanside and all of that. Um, it's been a huge growth thing for me. And I feel like for our company as well, you know, we've gone through it and I feel like we're stronger on the other end because of it. You know, and I, I know we're not completely through it, but at this point, we all have a, I think, a more, you know, grace-filled and, you know, open attitude towards each other because of what we've gone through and the hard conversations we've had to have. Sure. Uh, there's a different type of stress now than there was two years ago, where it was very visceral right. and painful for everyone. And now yeah. it's still there. It's still hanging over us uh, to some extent, but it's we've learned to deal with it somewhat or manage it, or at least have tried to. Yeah. But it's, it's not there. Every now and again, I find myself just feeling exhausted and I have no explanation for it other than just been a long couple of years. <laughs> totally. I was talking to someone this morning and saying that, like, I'm like, it, the odd thing is because I've kind of am a doer and some days I just get up now and I'm like, I finished the day and I'm like, what even happened today? And that didn't <laughs> feel like that before COVID, but now I'm like just learning to accept those days. I'm like, you know what? Sometimes just stuff creeps up on you and that's okay. And we don't have to like kick ass. Can I cuss on this? We don't have oh, to yeah, kick ass every yeah. day, you know, <laughs> to be successful and to feel good. So some days just suck. <laughs> yeah, that's a concept that is easy. I think can be easy to be said out loud, but to to truly believe it and to enact it in your life is much more difficult if you are a person who is motivated <laughs> yeah. as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And you can catch yourself saying it and going, yeah, I, I do believe that. And I, and you might logically, but that doesn't mean emotionally you always For sure. uh, match up. 
Uh, You hinted at it earlier that you have a next concept. I'm wondering how much can you share about what's next for you and what's next for the company? And uh, Uh, are there more cities? Is there more growth? Is there a circus on the way? You know, what are we, what are we doing? (laughs) This is a circus already. So (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I think entrepreneurs, like, like I said, it's not just for the sake of like growth or financial gain. It's, for me, a lot of it, especially at my age, is like, you know, what do I want the last 15 years of my career to be about? And I I am thankful to COVID for that, to be honest, because it's helped clarify a lot of things. And so right now, definitely there's going to be more communals. They're definitely going to look different in every community. I'm trying to kind of balance out now, you know, now that I'm in North County half my time, you know, what goes up there versus what comes down South. But for me, to be honest, this is kind of fun. My the next thing I really am doing is a wine bar concept that has like a chef's table specialty, you know, supper club type vibe. And that's what I'm working on right now. So uh, I can't share where or when, but, you know, <laughs> that's <all laughs> something right. that's pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love like just the concept of, you know, if you're in Venice, there's a Cicchetti concept where you come in after work and you get small plates and little tastes of wine. And I really just, I want to move into that phase of my life as my kids are going to college and I can be out more at night. So (laughs) it's selfish. (laughs) Wine. I love wine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Being selfish is hard. Uh, When my wife was really pursuing her career, I had to sometimes just be like, look, you need to be selfish. Like even if it hurts my feelings, you need to do this to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Because I'm a very needy husband. There's no question. <laughs> At least you know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, I knew right away. And she she knew right away, too. <laughs> and she still signed on. Good for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're about to do uh, celebrate 20 years together. So I'm oh, very excited that's amazing. about that. Congratulations. Thank you. There better be jewelry involved. <laughs> <laughs> we're... No or, a, or an amazing trip. <laughs> I have successfully been not great about buying jewelry. So when I do, it's very uh, important. But also, <laughs> it's easier if she guides me a little bit in that regard. Yeah, you and all men. That's the, you should just write that down because that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Point me in the right direction. <laughs> We're very good about um, not putting too much pressure on gift giving on specific dates. And just buying gifts when they feel inspired. I saw this and it made me think of you. That's great. And her birthday is coming up. And so we never really do birthdays, but uh, I bought her some art that I knew that she would like. And so those kind of things are where we we try to find our our niche. Uh, You mentioned your family earlier. And (laughs) I'm wondering if your, your kids, now that they are growing up, if they are similarly entrepreneurial or if they are getting time in the shops to work great do they learn from their mom like what where (laughs) that was kind of the motivator to spend time with them so i'm wondering how much uh how many labor laws have we broken so far (laughs) my oldest son lincoln is he's in college now in san jose and he is probably the most similar to me, but he thinks i am just a dumbass still because i'm his mother right So yes, he worked for me for like six months in the shop and I had to fire him when he was 16 because he was such a terrible employee. And yeah, so it's one of those things like, you know, again, I don't, 
I don't get my worth from what my kids, you know, decisions are, thankfully. But I can see in him like this entrepreneurial spirit. And I just can't wait to see like where that comes out. And then um, my youngest son, Harrison, he's almost 15, kind of same. He's like the nicest person in our family. But I also see him like, you know, he always is trying to start these little businesses like dog walking and all these things. And so, yeah, I for sure see um, the spirit that they, you know, they're not that interested in my businesses right now, to be honest, uh, because they're kids. But uh, I I can see their future coming out and their motivation and the things that they um, look for, even though they would never, ever, ever give me credit for that. And I don't need it. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they'll they'll think of it later in life i i promise you uh, maybe yeah i didn't appreciate my parents so i had kids for sure so <laughs> i certainly have told my parents a few times uh, and i'm i think they're most of my listenership that they <laughs> that i didn't know it then but i was inspired by what they were doing as entrepreneurs growing up um, yeah and and they have yeah you know, they have three sons too uh, all of uh-huh. whom work for themselves as entrepreneurs so. oh that's so cool i that's a even my kids like i'm obviously like a proponent of them going to college but i also told them along the way that if they didn't want to do that and they had an idea that they wanted to you know us to participate in and fund i would be also down for doing that as opposed to going to college and no one's taking me up on it yet but We'll see, you know. <laughs> uh, you never yeah. know. You know, kids stay home yeah. until they're in their 30s now, so you'll have time. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, to, okay, so wait, here's one more story. My my son, my oldest son, Lincoln, when he went to college, like uh, I was raised on a farm, you know, with limited resources. And so when I went to college, I, you know, figured it out on my own. So I was always like, when, when my kids are older, I, I hope I can like provide that for them. And when he went to college, he decided that he would accept our funds for tuition, but not for anything else. And I literally was like, what kid says no to money? (laughs) (laughs) And he did his whole first year, like, you know, on his own, working, paying his own rent, taking, you know, just taking our funds for tuition. And I, while I was frustrated, because I'm like, wait, I'm trying to do this for you. I also really appreciated it and thought, you know, I wonder where he got that from. But I do know where he got that from. I'm terrible at asking for help. (laughs) Or he's already planning for a big ask later down the road and he can say, hey, (laughs) do you remember when? (laughs) Probably too. No, he's just independent and motivated. And you know what? He kicked ass. He did so good. He did his whole first year with just tuition paid for in San Jose, the most expensive place in California. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, congratulations so. to him Thank and to you. you because that's a success <laughs> uh, across the board. I'm wondering if there's anything today that I didn't ask you about that you'd like to share about communal or about yourself or, or what path you've been on. Oh, you know, this has been good questions, but you know, I, I just think as a business owner and like, again, coming from a place where, I wasn't from the restaurant industry or the coffee industry. I just feel like the biggest blessing in creating these places is not for other people. It's just been in my own life and what I've learned. And and like I said, I'm not great at asking for help, but along the way, every time I got to a roadblock where it was like, oh, I don't know how to handle this and being able to draw people in, whether paid or not, and ask questions and help and, and bring people in to help me develop and go to the next place in my business has been Again, like I said, the biggest 
I feel like my own growth has been the best part of having communal as well as the things I'm able to give to other people. And it's so exciting. Like right now, I feel like we're at this like really pivotal place. We just went from, you know, with two locations to three, like 35 to 60 employees. And this is a whole different company now. And now I'm figuring out like now at this stage, like what, what can I provide for people that work for me? What culture cultural things need to change, like what needs to change in my life, what need to, needs to change, you know, in me as a mom, as a business owner and all these places. And, you know, it's the employee portion and the mentorship that, that goes into this is as important as anything financial or, again, like I said, you know, before, uh, you know, growth wise, it's not for the sake of growth, it's for the sake of uh, what's created and, and what each space is space provides for the people that work for me and also the people that come in. So, yeah, this is the best job in the world, to be honest. So <laughs> I don't say that every morning, to be honest, but, <laughs> but most mornings I do. Uh, and it's addicting. It is addicting. And it's like an 80, 20. I always have felt like that, like in whatever job I was in, like if you, if you love what you do 80% of the time, you're, you're totally winning. So Absolutely. Uh, I still wake up some days and think, God, I wish I was running a restaurant again. And then, you know, I have coffee and I sit and relax with the dog and I think, oh, that would be terrible right now. I'm having such a good day. <laughs> we thanked Starbucks earlier for getting you hooked on those yeah. iced hazelnut coffees. What is it that you, you have to drink now besides wine, obviously, but if you were to drink, a, if you were to drink a coffee or a coffee drink or something related, what is it that you're going to drink? Well, let's talk alcohol first. So, okay, because we do have wine and beer license now. So, we're in these creative cocktails. So, I'm a, I'm definitely still a red wine girl, orange wine girl, bourbon and gin are my two vices. And then with coffee, honestly, in the morning, because I'm a 50, I'm like I can't drink coffee all day like I did when I was 20, you know. So in the morning, I just have whatever single origin we have on at the shop. I make it in a Chemex. I drink one to two cups and then I'm kind of done for the day. But when I go and visit like another shop, what I'm interested in or when I'm like looking for, you know, what their flavor profile is, is I, I usually just have a shot of espresso and a cappuccino to see how their espresso tastes with milk. So and, you know, occasionally I'll have a pour over. But in general, that's what I'm like interested in when I'm out and about. So, yeah, I love coffee, but I can't drink it afternoon anymore. <laughs> it's pathetic. Now they have coffee whiskey, so we're okay either way. I know, I know. My friend Trevor is the Maker's Mark rep, and so we did a workshop recently, and he, it, we, it's like a competition, like who can make the better, you know, bourbon cocktail. <laughs> and I, I mean, sorry if you're listening, Trevor, but I, I did win because we vote. But <laughs> we brought this coffee bourbon that was just like out of this world, and now like, I mean, you know, it might be in my cup right now. I'm, I'm not going to admit to that, but. What time is it? It's almost one. That's actually it's, totally it's after lunch. You're fine. Uh, and you're an entrepreneur. You have weird hours. Yeah. Well, a shot of that coffee, uh, bourbon in single origin is it's like the thing. So, uh, well, now that we're getting into summer, I'll, I'll leave you with this, which is take that coffee bourbon and mix it in with some vanilla bean ice cream from Tillamook oh, ice cream. Oh my gosh. Yes. So it's a boozy avocado. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you uh, so much for giving me some of your time today and sharing with us. I just really appreciate it. And for continuing to inspire other people with your shops. It's a, it's a very cool concept. And I enjoy going there and I'm glad there's one in North County. Yay. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay. 
to recap. I am fascinated by entrepreneurs who've descended from entrepreneurs, like Jen, who had some entrepreneurial examples growing up. Her mom even ran a coffee cart in the Seattle area. She also spent some of her youth on a farm. Both of my parents grew up on dairy farms here in Wisconsin. And there are still farmers in my family. If the few weeks I spent every summer jumping off mounds of hay bales with my cousins as a kid are any indicator, farmers are the original entrepreneurs. What Jen started as communal coffee is now communal. The name change isn't because the coffee isn't important. I had an excellent cup of single origin drip there just recently. But because the scope of the business has expanded. Communal exists because of Jen's desire to create spaces that welcome people in, make them feel good, and encourage them to create in a collaborative place. Of all the interviews I've done, I relate to Jen's motivations the most. I want to create spaces for communities to grow too. And when I was directly in hospitality, I was continually trying to create a place that guests would leave feeling uplifted and with teams of employees that supported each other. That is what communal spaces feel like to me. And finally, LA. I love LA, but LA is definitely an island or a bunch of mini islands that create a big island, but still love LA. Thanks to Jen for doing this interview. I know she's busy and has a lot of stuff going on. I hope I'm lucky enough to share a coffee or a bottle of wine with her someday. And if you're in the San Diego area, check out Communal's three locations in South Park, North Park, and Oceanside. You can read about my personal communal experience on the Bean Journal, which is posted on roastwestcoast.com for paid subscribers, or the Coast News Online. Links will be in the newsletter that goes out with this show. The newsletter that you should be subscribed to. Come on now, what are you waiting for? You don't want to miss any of the last episodes of Season 5 on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm looking forward to sharing the stories of Lily Kiros, coffee consultant, and Mateo Nunez of Thoughts and Process Coffee next week. I couldn't bring you those stories without the support of my roast industry partners. Check out and support Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Ignite Coffee Company, Ascend Roasters, Aaron at Ascend has just started offering single-origin twin packs at a discounted rate to encourage coffee drinkers to try more than one origin side-by-side. You can find those on AscendRoasters.com. Also, Coffee Cycle Roasting, First Light Whiskey, Morea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, and Café Terre. Links to their websites are on RoastWestCoast.com, and I'm always sharing and reposting their social media on the Roast West Coast Instagram. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. For those of you headed out for a cup of coffee this week, please always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. Hey everyone, if you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer, the podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share, 
on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer, the podcast, wherever you are listening to this show about coffee, or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com.